Welcome to episode 198 of the Twim Show. This is your host Sajid and today I'm going over the digital marketing updates from the week of February 5 through 9, 2024. Just so that you know, episode 197 does not exist because I was away on vacation with my family. So I just did not publish. So I thought I would just keep it and continue the episode numbers. Anyway. First off, we have updates, which is uh, Google has recently released an SEO starter guide, which was covered uh, in episode 196, I believe. Uh, and obviously, this was re- released last week when I was out. So I'm covering this now. And the new SEO starter guide is about 53% shorter and it has about 4,000 words right now. You don't need to worry about the number of words. Uh, you just need to know the it's shorter, it's clearer, and this the few things, the five things that you should be aware of and you should know is that the new guide emphasizes the importance of creating links that are useful to readers, suggesting that user interactions as influenced by the quality of these links play a significant role in ranking. Number two is orderly page structure. The new guide is not only shorter, but also logically organized with a clear progression from one topic to the next. This structure enhances the readability and comprehension. Um, The third thing point is that uh, by discarding granular subtopics and reducing the number of headings, the guide maintains a sharp focus on the main topic, providing essential information while offering links to more detailed content. Conciseness over comprehensive is point number four, reflecting the mobile first wall mobile mobile first world's content consumption habits. The guide favors concise on topic information that addresses readers' immediate needs without overwhelming them with excessive details. And lastly is the uh, cohesive visual elements. The updated guides also pays attention to the visual consistency of the images which contribute to a more professional and trustworthy presentation of content. So for anyone, the revamp and particularly small business owner or a business owner, this revamp SEO starter guide is a valuable resource that demystifies SEO by presenting it in a more digestible and actionable format. It highlights the shift away from technical SEO manipulations towards creating high-quality, user-focused content that naturally improves search rankings. So my takeaway from all this is that, you know, go ahead and give this um, SEO starter guide a read. It's about, you know, uh, it's still a bit of a reading, uh, but, you know, it will definitely help you to uh, rank better on Google. Now, if you're a business and you are unable to read and follow all the steps, then I would say work with a reputable um, expert, SEO expert. Next up, Google, basically, again, Google's Danny Sullivan, who is the search liaison, uh, has basically, again, gone on to X, which is the platform known as Twitter in the past, and kind of give a, you know, try to break down, explain what ranking system signals and factors are all about. Okay, uh, so let me see. So what he's saying, uh, 
Okay, so according to him, describe the signals and factors as the essential elements or criteria that Google's algorithms evaluate when determining the relevance and quality of a web page for a specific search query. This can range from the use of keywords within the content to the speed at which a page loads and quality of inbound links. On the other hand, the systems are algorithms themselves, the machines that processes these signals or factors to rank content. The distinction is critical for understanding how SEO works and how to optimize content effectively. It highlights that while signals or factors are the input or fuel, the ranking systems are the engines that analyzes this input to determine the search rankings. So for business owners, this underscores the importance of focusing on creating high quality relevant content that aligns with what Google identifies as positive signals or factors. It is not about optimizing for keywords or backlinks in isolation, but understanding how these elements contribute to the broader context of your site's overall quality and relevance as perceived by Google's algorithm. So in summary, Sullivan's analogy provides a clear understanding of how Google's search ranking process works, distinguishing between inputs, which is aka signals slash factors, and the systems that processes them. Again, there is nothing really, you know, drastic or earth shattering over here. The only thing you need to know is like, um, what Sullivan is trying to do is trying to say, okay, what are ranking systems, signals, and factors? Oftentimes people, uh, you know, mix them up and systems are basically algorithms and they take signals and factors, which is the content and keywords and things like that, put it through the system, which is the algorithm, and then they decide whether this page should rank or not and should be served or not. That's all there is. And Along the same lines, uh, Sullivan also went, and this is uh, the other update, is that page experience and core web vitals are not really uh, ranking factor, right? They're not, um, basically he says, we don't confirm any of these things, which is page experience or core web vitals as a direct ranking factor. They may have, um, they may contribute to, towards ranking, but they're not direct ranking factors. Uh, and again, Sullivan says that there are numerous elements to determine search rankings indicating that no single factor including page experience or core web vitals directly influences ranking. This approach underscores Google multifaceted evaluation system which assesses a wide range of signals rather than relying on singular metric. Um, this confusion stems from past updates to Google helpful content updates content guidance and page experience documentation which led to mixed messages about their role in search rankings. While previously Google did say page experience is a ranking signal, Sullivan clarified it is not a ranking system, but rather one of the many signals used by other systems. This distinction is vital as it highlights the importance of considering a broad spectrum of factors in SEO strategies. So if you're listening to this, all I have to say is, look, even though it's not a direct factor, does not mean you should not worry about core wave vitals or page experience. You should still keep that in the back of your head uh, and you know design pages that not only have the content but also load faster, creates a better experience, and as a result, you know you will actually um, rank higher. Now, having said that, recently you know I've been uh, you know looking up a quite a bit of recipes because you know I've been I'm baking a lot 
And some websites, uh, you know, especially like biscottis, I would go to sites and I would look for recipes and this Page experiences are absolutely horrendous. Right? Nevertheless, they do show up on page uh, one of Google. So I'm not saying, and this kind of goes into the fact that you know page experience is not a factor, but at the same time, maybe there are no other better content that Google basically uh, you know shows these pages with bad uh, you know page experience to on page one of Google search. Now. Imagine what would happen if, uh, you know, the page experience was better. Now, I do go to these pages and when I see the experience is better, bad, and it just goes on and it's just like full of ads and it's just like, you know, content shifting, I usually uh, jump out of that and I go to the next article. So while you may show up and while you may get the traffic, you know, you may not have a sticky traffic. And that's the point over here I'm trying to make is like, you know, just keep an eye on the page experience fact. Uh, factor, folks. Okay, Google updates extended crawler documentation for AI model training. Google and introduced this was introduced in September 28, 2023. The extended user agent allows web publisher to control how their sites are crawled, especially offering the option to opt out of having their content used in AI training datasets. This move by Google aims to give publishers more control over the content, addressing concerns about the use of web content in training AI models like BARD, which is now renamed as Gemini Apps and Vertex AI Generative API. The updated documentation clarifies that the Google extended crawling is exclusive to Gemini Apps and has no impact on Google search. This distinction is crucial for business owners who may worry that blocking Google extended crawler could affect their search site's search ranking. The revised guidance reassures publishers that opting out of Google Extended AI data collection does not impact a site's inclusion or, uh, inclusion or ranking in Google search. With that, uh, let's talk about uh, something uh, really bad that has happened, which is uh, some competitors and bad apples are exploiting local service ads uh, and putting their competitor out of business. And Google is probing into this tactic, and this was confirmed by Google's ads liaison, uh, Ginny Murphin, that Google is aware of this issue and in, is investigating. So the exploit take, takes advantage of a loophole where competitors can maliciously link a local service ad to another business Google business profile, rendering the original business's ad invisible and effectively cutting off its lead generation. This tactic not only undermines fair completion, but competition but also poses a significant threat to the livelihood of affected business. This problem came to light when a business owner noticed a sudden and unexplained drop in leads and discovered upon investigation that their Google business profile was linked to two local service ads, one of which was unauthorized. Google's current system does not allow for the easy removal of these unauthorized links, leaving a business in a pricker in a sticky situation. Google's advice was to completely delete his original account and reviews and starting over with a brand new business page. This uh, suggestion obviously was uh, met with dismay by the business owner who questioned the fairness of the situation. And he said, why would an unknown entity get to force us off of our own Google listing? The frustrated owner wrote, there must be a way where we can re-verify our account and eliminate any local service ads we don't approve of now yes i am bringing in a scary thing and chances are you know it's not as widespread as it's uh 
chances are it's not as widespread. Uh, my only thing is keep an eye out on your Google business profile. Uh, keep searching, see if there is a competitor that's coming up. Uh, and you know, obviously, if you do, contact Google um, support. Okay. Next up is that YouTube now supports RSS feeds integration. Uh, this uh, RSS, which stands for Really Simple Syndication, is a technology commonly used by podcasters to distribute audio content across platforms. The new RSS feed integration simplifies the podcast distribution process by enabling automatic conversion of podcast episodes into static image videos on YouTube. This means that whenever a new episode is added to a podcaster's RSS feed, YouTube will automatically generate a video for that episode and upload it to the user's channel. This automation er removes the need for manual video creation for each podcast episode, saving podcasters considerable time and effort. Now, to use a new feature, you just have to go to your, you know, obviously YouTube Studio, create, click the create button in the upper right corner to navigate to YouTube Studio uh, and select the submit RSS feed and follow the on-screen instructions. For those who already have podcast on YouTube, go to the content tab and find the podcast you wish to we you wish to edit. Click the pencil icon under RSS settings and click on click on connect to RSS feed. Now, this obviously, as you have figured out, this integration offers a very unique opportunity to expand your reach by leveraging YouTube's vast platform. Podcasts can get more listeners, views, and subscribers, and enhancing overall brand visibility. And yours truly is going to go try publishing this and see what happens. I'm going to play around with it because we already right now take the uh, audio portion of this thing and publish it as a video, uh, which obviously if you are watching it on YouTube, you are able to see my face. If you're listening on uh, audio, you will uh, obviously, you don't get to see my video face, but I have to play around with it and see how this is going to probably streamline our workflow, uh, publishing workflow, or probably um, not use it at all. Anyway, it's this time of the year, obviously last week I was out and I didn't get to cover Facebook's uh, earnings, but basically Pinterest has announced their earnings as well as they have applied, uh, announced a Google ad partnership. The one thing you need to know in Q4, Pinterest saw an addition of 16 million monthly active users, bringing its total to 498 million. This is con this consistent growth, especially after the pandemic-induced surge in 2021, underscores Pinterest appeal to users with shopping intent. Uh, notably, the North American market added 1 million users. Significant growth also came from EU, Brazil, and Mexico. Uh, and they have, have a third-party integration with Google, as uh, which allowing Pinterest to host ads powered by Google. This collaboration aims to enhance Pinterest monetization process and expand its advertising capability, especially in markets outside the U.S. Pinterest CEO Bill Reddy believes this integration will significantly boost the platform's revenue potential, and I agree. Now, reading between the lines, I feel like you know what's happening here, and this is very key, is that Pinterest has users, and but not enough ad volume. So they are tapping into Google Ads to bring that ads into in front of the users, right? And this is a cash 22. But Pinterest is saying, you know, hey, we have opportunity to show ads, but we don't have enough ads. Let's bring uh, Google Ads in. Now, the challenge and the benefit is that, you know, obviously Google is going to be like show ads to Google partners. And this is where the Google partners are going to be coming in. Or if you're using uh, Google machine language or automatic Google placements. This is where some of the ads are going to show up. <clears throat> now, there is a lot of other 
think it may bring costs down, but it may also have, you know, rise in ad spend. It's just a cash 22. Again, I'm basically an outsider looking in and seeing you know, how this is going to all work out. But overall, this is a good opportunity for Pinterest, depending on what they uh, what data they show us to the advertiser, is what I'm going to say. Okay, with that, let's jump into the uh, last update of this week is that Snap has also reported their earnings and they have a 5% increase in revenue. This obviously number is below the Wall Street prediction. That's fine. Uh, despite the shortfall, the company saw a reduction in net losses, $248 million, uh, which is an improvement from the $288 million loss in the same quarter the previous year. Uh, other than that, uh, Snap's daily active users grew by 10% to 40, $414 million. Fourth quarter revenue increased by 5% to over which is $1.36 billion. Um, Snap CEO said uh, the e 23 as a pivotal year for Snap as they transform the advertising business and continue to expand our their global community, reaching 414 million daily active users. Um, for advertisers, Snap might be an opportunity, but at the same time, I would say Snap uh, kind of is sm quite small compared to TikTok. And, you know, this Snap is a very niche player in the niche market segment. Uh, we don't advertise on Snap. I don't have expertise on Snap, so I really cannot talk more much about it with other than reporting the numbers and where this is all heading. With that, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. This is your host, Sajid, signing off. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye.